Hey guys, it's Ray from the Teach Better team, and you're listening to an audio blog at teachbetter.com called Integrating Technology in Education. Are you making these top five mistakes? Written by Tiffany Ott. I talk a lot about educational technology. I think about it. I read about it. I present about it. I even, upon occasion, dream about it. Unfortunately, they aren't good dreams about incredibly engaging, effective, and inspiring learning experiences designed to connect students to the world and make education relevant. No, these dreams are nightmares. Have you ever had a dream that you walked into a classroom and you couldn't find any of your materials that you prepared? Then your admin comes in for an evaluation visit that you completely forgot about. To add fuel to the fire, you can't remember your students' names and are struggling to explain the concept of photosynthesis in a way that is anything but a jambled mashup of words that don't make sense. Well, I have. Maybe you used to wait tables as a side job. How about a dream where four tables just got set at once, you forgot to ring their food into the table that has been there for 30 minutes, and you drop a tray of drinks on the way to the kitchen? Stress dreams are brutal, aren't they? A particular one that drives me crazy is a stress dream I have about working in a school where technology integration is ineffective and even detrimental to student learning. Call me a nerd, but that's what I stress dream about. So without further ado, here are the top five mistakes that are on my mind and in my dreams when it comes to technology integration. Mistake number one, ooh, shiny. It feels like you can't scroll through Twitter, look at a teacher blog, or attend professional development without hearing about a new ed tech tool. Don't get me wrong, there are a ton of great options out there. But just because it's new and cool-looking tech tool doesn't mean it deserves a place in your classroom. If it doesn't actually improve the learning process, it really doesn't belong in your classroom. Here's an idea. Head over to Google and do a quick search. Negative review, mm, insert name of tech tool that you've heard about. Being a savvy customer of tech tools helps ensure that your students are getting the best educational experience that you can offer. Mistake number two, not so fast. I'm a big fan of leaping before I look. In fact, I wrote a whole blog about how powerful it can be for educators to sometimes just jump in with two feet, even when they don't have all the answers. There is a danger, however, in jumping into ed tech, kind of like jumping on the bandwagon too quickly. Sure, that new technology you heard about this morning at the PD might be awesome, but you probably shouldn't go to your classroom that same afternoon and use it right away. Take some time to investigate it, play around with it, and brainstorm how to use it effectively. Try this. Give yourself limitations. If you tend to jump into tech tools too fast, set a rule that you need to have like a three-day waiting period before hearing about a new tech tool and actually using it in your classroom. Sometimes that little bit of time is all it takes for you to eliminate the technology as not really effective in improving learning or for you to brainstorm some awesome way to use it. 
Mistake number three, so slow. On the other end of the spectrum is the mistake of delaying and delaying and delaying. There are dozens of reasons why a teacher would hold off on trying a new tech tool. Maybe they're nervous about their technological experience. Maybe they tried something in the past and it was an epic flop. Maybe they feel like they don't have support from their district or administration or colleagues. All of these are valid concerns and can be real barriers to successful technology integration. But here are some ideas that might help. Number one, set a goal to incorporate a new tech tool in your classroom during a certain timeline. Maybe it is once a month. Maybe it's once an entire school year. It doesn't much matter on the frequency, just to make sure that you have a clear goal that you're focusing on. Number two, find a buddy. Maybe there's a techie at your school who would love to geek out with you about technology or just talk your ear off about what they're doing in their own classroom. Many innovative educators genuinely enjoy sharing their excitement and would gladly act as a partner or a mentor to use in your technology attempts. Number three, get help in any way you can. Depending on the tech tool that you're considering, there are a ton of online tutorials, online courses, Facebook groups like the Teach Better Team Facebook group, and a whole myriad of other resources available to you. Can't find what you need? Just ask your PLN. Twitter is my favorite. My favorite suggestion for getting help? Well, how about just like email me? Seriously, I'd love to chat about what you're trying to do with this technology and how it can help you. Our author's email is tiffany at teachbetter.com. Mistake number four, babysitter's club. I know, I know. Sometimes things get crazy, crazy in the classroom. There are times when I think I would give my left arm and maybe my right leg just for a couple more hours to get everything done I need to do. There are definitely moments when I just need the 5,000 questions my students want to ask me and the 3,000 stories they want to tell me to stop so I can get done what I need to get done. I have small groups to meet with, assessments to administer, writing conferences to finish. I mean, geez, the list is endless. So what does this have to do with ed tech? Well, it is really easy to fall into the trap of technology as a babysitter. Students will generally leave you alone if you put them in front of a device and let them do whatever they find entertaining. No, I do not have a problem with ed tech tools we use as entertainment, but I do have a problem with ed tech tools only being entertainment. Consider these three examples. Example one, while you conference with students about their essay, the rest of the class is using HyperDoc you created that leads them through several activities on kids' PBS that is relevant to the content that you're studying. Rock on. This is not a tech babysitter. This is a purposeful technology use. Example number two. While you meet with a group of students struggling with the current unit's content, the rest of the class was told that they could go to PBS Kids. Without specific guidelines, the students gravitate towards games that provide them little to no educational value. Whoa, well, this is a little iffy territory. 
Sure, some of them may be learning from this experience, but I would be willing to bet that some are not. Example number three. While you meet with a group of students to reassess them on a geometry unit that you are ending, you tell the rest of the class that they can go on cool math games. Danger, danger. <laughs> I have yet to witness students getting real educational value from cool math games website. I'd love for you to prove me wrong and share your positive story, but I'm pretty skeptical. Mistake number five, assuming access. You know, they say about assuming, right? If not, I encourage you to Google it and you'll get a good giggle. I like to avoid swearing in most of these blogs. For the United States, citizens under 50 report uh, almost unanimously that they use internet. Worldwide, 50% of all people on earth use the internet. There are very few parts of the world that report internet usage below 50%. Among college graduates in America, the category most educators fall into, home internet usage is at 95%. Among all of this data, one thing becomes clear. The overwhelming majority of teachers have access to and regularly use technology in their daily life. It becomes very easy to assume that our students do also. Meh, big mistake. To further complicate the situation, having home internet and technology access can be a status symbol, especially in the lower income and rural areas. This means that our students may not readily volunteer that they do not have computer access at home. So what do you do about it? Ask them and ask them privately. I always include a question about home technology access and the use of it in my very starting getting to know you activities. A student is more likely to confess to a piece of paper or a Google form that their family doesn't have access rather than a face-to-face -face conversation. And they are very unlikely to admit it to the whole class discussion. So are you guilty? Don't worry, this is a judgment-free zone. If you found yourself thinking, oh, I do that at any point in this blog, great, seriously. It matters little where you are right now in your effective technology integration journey. What matters most is where you're going. I'd love to hear about your journey and your struggles and your successes. Why don't you just reach out to me via email, tiffany at teachbetter.com, or on Twitter at techieteachot, and we can chat about it. You're listening to an audio blog written by Tiffany Ott called Integrating Technology in Education. Are you making these five mistakes? Tiffany Ott is the Director of Curriculum and Development for the Teach Better team, a high school math teacher in Ohio, the founder of Hashtag Mastery Chat, and an educational technology fanatic. She just can't get enough of teaching and learning. Whether it's connecting with a teacher struggling to make mastery learning work, writing about education, unit designs, or speaking up on stage to teachers who want to change the world with awesome teaching, Tiffany is hooked on all things education. You can find more amazing blogs by Tiffany Ott and all of the other Teach Better team members, including our fantastic guest bloggers, over at teachbetter.com. <laughs>